Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, dog lovers. Kate Verweather here. You're with me on Dogs With Jobs, the podcast that celebrates the key workers of the canine world. Now, as you know, I profile a working dog every month, but of course, I've spent rather a lot of time talking to people involved with working dogs recently, and I thought you might be interested in hearing this. Um, This person, Jim Noble, was recommended to me through his work as a gun dog man on one of the estates around Petersfield, and uh, and it turned out that he's basically spent his entire career with working dogs, some of it in the police, also running a sniffer dog business business down at the docks, um, security dogs, you name it, he's done it. And uh, one of the things that uh, he talked to me about when I spoke to him a few weeks ago was um, working with a bloodhound within the police. Now this was a few years ago, but um, I thought it was fascinating and well worth a listen. So I'm going to play it to you now as a kind of extra really, because Lottie the bloodhound that he's talking about is no longer with us, but she had some spectacular success while she was working as a bloodhound within the police and one hears about bloodhounds you know I I don't know if you like me have these associations but I think of the Hound of the Baskervilles I think of odd occasions when you see bloodhounds um, in films and of course there are the Southdown bloodhounds which I will be speaking to a little later in the year when the season starts again uh, because that's local and bloodhoundy working doggy but I just thought this was interesting and Jim has a wonderful encyclopedic knowledge born through sheer experience of working with dogs since he was really quite small and uh, for many of us who are crackers about dogs I think that love for dogs starts early, doesn't it? So um, I thought this was fun. Have a listen, see what you think. Thank you, Jim Noble, for joining me. It's my pleasure, Kate, and a very good afternoon to you. Jim, one of the reasons why I was so keen to have you on as a guest was because you have been totally immersed in working dogs throughout your whole life. Tell us about your first working dog. We had family dogs. Not only did we have the Dachshounds that were great dogs for uh, going the ground, they're like a smooth variety of what a lot of gamekeepers and especially deer stalkers have in the form of a, a tackle, which is like a wire-haired version. But these dogs, they're just, they're just built for their purpose. Uh, and also a miniature schnauzer. And so when we were young, one of the figureheads of St. Anton Docks at Dockgate number 10 is Ranks Flour Mills, and very often we could be found on Saturdays ratting um, so long ago that we used to get a tan or a tail for how many rats we caught. Um, <laughs> then um, um, yeah. J.P. Eds Western writer wrote mm-hmm. a series of books, one of which involved a character called Scoby Dale, uh, mm-hmm. And the name of the book gave it all away, which was The Hound Dog Man. Now, this was okay. predictably when I was about 15, 16. I um, enjoyed the book so much, which dealt with a character that spent his life hunting down predators that preyed on cattle uh, and indeed humans. And it sowed a seed, really. Um, I suddenly realised that there could be a living to be made joining the police and hopefully becoming a dog handler. 
And how long were you in the police before you got into the dog unit? I'm assuming that it's a popular thing to do and there was lots of competition. Yeah, it was indeed. And um, I, was, I attended several interviews before I actually secured a position. Like most jobs, I had to do a probation of two years. Tell, tell me about your first dog then that you worked with with the police. When you went on to dog section, you started off with your general patrol dog. Right. And uh, the first dog I had was a predictably a German Shepherd in a patrol uh, mode. Tell me about the different jobs. So you've got a general patrol dog. That's your, can I say standard? I mean, is there such a thing? Yeah, I mean, the general, general patrol dog um, is a, a variety, you know, of traits within one dog. Um, mm-hmm. They're uh, tracking dogs, searching dogs, athletic obedience wise dogs yeah. um and like a child when you when you uh train one of these dogs you have to introduce them to every variety of uh environment so that they they're not scared of loud explosions or water um etc um but then having done your apprenticeship with those dogs in the old days um, you would then apply to be used in what was referred to as specialist dogs in the right. form of um, proactive drugs dogs to um, assist squads doing warrants at people's addresses or facilities. Very often the proactive drugs dogs were also firearms recovery dogs and indeed I was lucky enough to work such a dog Tell me now, I gather you've had some experience with bloodhounds in context of the police. Yeah, absolutely. One of the scenarios um, that the police are are always involved in is missing persons, and especially the dog section, um, because you'll utilise to find, say, if it's an area or whatever. But one of my continual uh, frustrations was People are only counted as missing if they've been um, absent for some time. And so um, unlike the perceived conception that um, the German, you know, the patrol dogs can only track after half an hour on hard surface, i.e. urban environments, or an hour or so in a rural environment, um, the bloodhound had the capability of, of doing hours and hours old trails uh, by means of a um, sent article method. In other words, obtaining a, uh, an item of clothing um, yeah. from the person missing. And it appealed to me. And as a result, I spearheaded a project um, to get the dogs accepted and provide a budget to facilitate the use of said dogs. Uh, and was successful in that especially when the powers-to-be, who I must say were very far-sighted um, and um, certainly grasped the opportunity with both hands and allowed me and a colleague to obtain um, two dogs. I had a bitch called Lottie and uh, my colleague uh, obtained uh, a dog hound or stag hound, as they're referred to, um, in the bloodhound world, uh, okay. called Homer. We trained them for up to a year um, using areas 
like Queen Elizabeth Country Park, Butser okay. Hill, um, yeah. Farley Mount, by someone laying uh, trails and tracks in heavily congested areas because all these parks are well used by people. Uh, and so the dogs have to determine and target the scent of the person we've give the, given them the article from. Um, Which is presumably as tough as it gets, Jim, for a bloodhound. I mean, yeah, when you have was. bloodhound hunts, you're following a trail that's been specially laid, but Queen Elizabeth Park on a Saturday afternoon is full exactly. <laughs> of yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that was really, that was the epitaph to the dogs that on their senior training they were able to pinpoint the scent belonging to a person and on one occasion I was lucky enough the police force allowed me to do working trials run by the Association of Bloodhound Breeders and okay. the British Bloodhound Association within England, Wales and Scotland mm -hmm. and Lottie won the identification trophy oh. whereby she did a, a trail which was over an hour old i think i think it was about two or three hours old actually yeah. uh albeit in a rural area and at the end of which there was three people and she correctly identified by jumping up at the person that had run the trail um <laughs> so you must have it, felt proud were you proud of her yeah very much so and um and of course, it, it um, you know, obviously, it was a um, trophy for the force as much as ourselves. It did make me very proud. Did you ever, with Lottie, look for a missing person, find a missing person? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and once the authorities, uh, my hierarchy, had decided that we'd done training sufficiently enough to facilitate them going live. Mm -hmm. um, on the 14th of May 2001, Lottie and Homer were effectively put into use and available for any searches. And within less than a month, I had a, a radio call to attend uh, an area of the New Forest called East Boulder to look for uh, a gentleman by the name of um, Gordon Kelly, yeah. who'd been missing for nine hours. Uh, a 90-year-old dementia case. And luckily, that some way from the home, um, he was seen on a farm track, which made me click my heels because I suddenly realised we were going to be in a rural area where hopefully right. there weren't too many people. Um, and I got there, and my having got a scent article, which was his pyjama top, mm -hmm. um, I got to the area where he was last seen, and it was probably one of the dirtiest, filthiest farm tracks I'd ever had the displeasure of going on. It was full of fluid that had run off of silage bales. So that um, would all make it harder for Lottie? Yeah, because of the cross-contamination of scents. Got it. Um, uh, there was dead calves on there. You name Oof. it, um, it was on there, you know, um, mm. uh animal feces from cattle etc um but she you know god bless her she picked up the scent uh, and some mile and a half two two miles later on we did exactly what the force had planned to do 
uh, other officers were involved in other searches um, for other things, including the plane that um, normally accompanied me uh, on these sort of searches. Uh, and it was just myself and Lottie. And we found this poor old chap who was in quite a poor state in that he was, it had been an extremely hot day. Um, he'd obviously fallen on barbed wire and his hands were just oh, a bloody awful. mess. Um, mm. But luckily, um, he, he, was, he was well, um, obviously dehydrated. Well, I always carried a bottle of water and a collapsible water bowl um, for whatever dog I was working. And um, so he was able to avail himself of the water I had. Um, oh. But uh, unusually, normally when you found either missing people or criminals, you were ne normally accompanied by another police officer, uh, you know, on patrol or um, shortly joined by one. Well, we were at the back of nowhere um, in the New Forest. And... Um, I, I thought to myself, this gent's supposed to be a dementia case, and yet um, he's showing no signs of dementia. He's quite um, confessmentous. Um, uh, and then he delivered the punchline that uh, in the adjoining field, uh, cattle field, there was an upturned Dutch bell um, cattle feeder. And as this plane went over, making a hell of a lot of noise, um, Gordon responded by saying, do you know those campers over there, they, they've been making a hell of a noise since I've been here. Uh, <laughs> and I suddenly realised, well, maybe he has got dementia, this poor old chap. Um, okay. But um, no, and, and that really started off a career with uh, a very determined dog, you know, and, um, and as such, we were used in most of the neighbouring counties, Dorset, Sussex, Kent, Devon and Cornwall, um, and even at one stage being called up to Gwen, a village of okay. Usk, which is a famous uh, fishing um, area. Um, so, Jim, in a way, I mean, I'm presuming that for missing persons purposes, that made you and Lottie the specialists that would go wherever. It was indeed. Uh, mm. And also my colleague who, who went down um, to Cornwall on one occasion, um, uh, and we we were yet another tool in the box that yeah. could assist with a hands-on effect. You know, I, I, I wanted, and was successful in introducing them, because I wanted to have something that could assist um, the families of these people, mm. um, yeah. especially if they've been suffering from dementia. It just, we were, we were very lucky in um, finding numerous people um, and when you get sent to Wales for two people that are supposedly absconded from an open prison uh, and one comes from Gosport and one comes from Portsmouth um, it, it makes sense of everything doesn't it you know yeah I get that gosh and tell me because you talked about all the little tests that you'd put your bloodhound through presumably all of the dogs that work within a, a service or um, police context that they're, they're all you, you've got to put them through various tests to look at their suitability and that kind of thing 
what happens when a dog doesn't make the grade? Well, unfortunately, um, they are uh, passed on. Mm. Um, sometimes to another handler who, who just gels with that dog because um, personalities run throughout animals as well as humans. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you'll get a dog in someone's hands that's just not going to amount to anything. Um, and then it'll go to, some, you know, um, like a more sympathetic handler, and the dog will come on leaps and bounds. So the relationship's key? Definitely. Um, just like people, um, you know, it, 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 it is. You have to build bonds with any animal, uh, and that bond never really goes away. It's, you know, it's a lifetime bond, really. And did the dogs come home with you, the police dogs? Fortunately enough, within uh, the Hampshire police, um, it's always been that the handler needed to have a garden for a kennel uh, and the dog from day one, although it belongs to the police horse, um, it stays at home, becomes an extension of your family. But because it's in a kennel, after it's had busy days and that, it goes not necessarily into solitude, but into its kennel to chill out. Um, and, and once a, 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 a suitable time has elapsed after its duties uh, finished, uh, to avoid bloat and stomach torsions, it can have its meal. Uh, and so it associates the kennel with um, uh, pleasant experiences. Yeah, and I guess you would need to decompress after the days that some of your that a dog would have, wouldn't you? Makes all the sense. Definitely, in the world. I mean, um, uh, and if you ask any dog handler of whatever discipline persuasion, there's no greater joy uh, than when your dog succeeds in his particular discipline. Yeah, and so now, now Jim, you you've retired from working dogs professionally do you have a pet now i do indeed yeah and how, um, how is that different and how are you finding that well is it the first the time you've had a pet rather than a working dog yes it is indeed i mean i retired in 2007 and uh, became a, a gamekeeper deer stalker at the state close to marwell where i was working the dogs um lottie the bloodhound assisted me in finding deer that I couldn't find. But the beauty of having a pet dog now, bearing in mind I bought um, this Lab Spaniel Cross uh, 2019 for a successor to one of the five dogs I worked um, in an anti-terrorism role and drugs role. Um, she was going to be a successor. And when things went pear-shaped with the cruise industry, uh, unfortunately, I jumped ship, no pun intended, um, <laughs> prior to the pandemic uh, that we're all subject to now. Hmm. Um, she suddenly became a pet dog. And both my wife and I, because she's helped me enormously over the years by running, especially with the bloodhound, running tracks and trails and what have you. Um, and suddenly the, all the pressure was taken off that we didn't have to continually train this dog mm. to get to an end product. It, it wasn't that pressure anymore to get her up to a standard. She was just a basic pet. And um, apart from basic obedience, of which it, it's, it's very little, um, she is just a pet. Um, and it's fantastic. Uh, 
you able to enjoy the dog for the character that it is. Without worrying about managing it. Yeah, exactly. And it's the first animal I've had in, in that context for 40 years plus. Um, so it's rather nice, and I'm sure people can appreciate where I'm coming from, that uh, the most um, earnest thing we do really is go for walks. And, and so we enjoy them as much as running the dogs, you know. Sounds very well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, we certainly enjoy our lives. There's no two ways yeah, about that. Um, and how and, lovely and, to come back to having a pet. Yeah, it is. I mean, bearing in mind, I've still got three dogs now that are uh, retired. I mean, they're all 10 and above, so they've enjoyed the retirement that they're enjoying now. We need to have a plan. Stay at home and make it shine. You got it. Great lockdown <laughs> listening from Petersfield's Shine Radio. It's about staying as local as we can and helping as many people in the community as we can. Joff <laughs> continues his bromance with John Walker from the Petersfield Post. <laughs> yes. You do look lovely. <laughs> You're the only person I see every week. Motivation is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Hello, my name is Matthew. I'm from Class 1G at Church's College, and this is a song I spent hours listening to in lockdown. I was walking past College Street and saw the phone box. So I had an idea that I'd start a little bookshop. It's really just come in and help yourself. We've got lovely Lucy with us and Harrison, who's playing with some norms. The real pleasure is in the bass. Bass line for Stupendously crunchy. I'm feeling quite patient about the whole thing. Stay at home and make it shine. Slightly intimidated by being told so precisely what to do. Great lockdown listening from Petersfield's Shine Radio. Mm-hmm.